Hello and welcome to French Football Weekly, the podcast. And we are indeed the podcast that specialises in drama. We're not really. We, we like each other quite a lot, to be fair. But, you know, I had to put a tagline in. My name is Chris. I am your host. And uh, as usual, I'm joined by Messrs. Jez and Phil. How are you both doing? Yeah, um, not too bad, thanks. Good. Fine. With my new title. With your new title? Do tell. It said Messrs. Oh, right. Sorry. I thought you'd like to... A lot of French um, businesses just assume that my name is Philippe. So I do get quite a lot of confused delivery men going, "Um, Monsieur Philippe. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass me the parcel. I get it for opposite of very different reasons when I answer the phone and they think I'm a woman with a cold. So they, they're like, oh, hello, Mrs. Carpenter. I'm like, no, 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 no. But I don't take offence um, or, or a gate. Anyway, we shall leave that there. But uh, no, when you said when you said title, I just thought you bought some land or something. I was, was going to like. <laughs> if only if only it was that easy eh? yeah absolutely um well we've got plenty to talk about um because there was quite a lot going on in, in league this weekend which we will come to but i feel like we do have to uh well take the scalpel out and um uh cut into the scab marked psg unfortunately which is uh what we must do and that was of course last weekend or last midweek's game with Bayern Munich, um, and seeing as that's made you chuckle, Jez, I'm gonna gonna come to you first on this one. Uh, it was a little bit out with a whimper. I I have to say, Bayern Munich won the game two 0 We should say at this point, and, and you know, best wishes to them as they move on to the the next stage. But I do feel like it was a little bit over dramatic, particularly in the English press, anyway, with regards to sort of saying, "Oh, it's PSG again. Once again, they failed. They didn't turn up, etc." Don't get me wrong, I don't think they were brilliant, but those injuries, particularly the one to Marquinhos and you could probably throw in Michele in the first half as well, didn't help. And I think they finished the game with, what, two 17-year-olds in the team? Um, and they didn't involve Messi or Mbappe or they couldn't get them into the game at all. Is if For this for you, is this up there with, with the most famous sort of uh, capitulations? Not in terms of the scoreline, but just in how meekly they went out? Or are you with me and you say, well, actually... They didn't do a lot, but ultimately they came up short. Um, sort of, it's kind of the same but different. Like it's not, it's not up there with the, the Man United or the Real Madrid last year, or obviously the Barcelona one. Um, although the Barcelona one, there really was mitigating circumstances of disgusting refereeing. Mm. But it was kind of, I don't know if it's better or worse that it was just as you said, going out with a whimper. Like it was just. You know, this Bayern is not a great Bayern. They're not doing fantastically in the league. They're not really 100% sure of themselves. And they didn't even really need to raise their... Um, well, they raised their game second half and then won pretty comfortably. But they it didn't look like, you know, they were a great Bayern team who was sort of motoring along. And that's what's worrying. And yeah, the injuries were a big part of it. But then on the other hand, I would say that the fact that they had to start with Marquinhos, who was clearly not fit. The fact that they had to replace him with the Mukieli, who was clearly not fit, and the fact that they ended up with two seventeen-year-olds on the pitch. And you know, when you compare the bench that PSG had with, you know, Bayern's bench had Sane, Gnabry, Mane, uh, Cancelo, Bunasar. Um, <laughs> you know, the fact that. Although there were there was the issue with those injuries, the fact that they had to uh, risk Marquinhos and, and Mukiele and the fact that all they had to replace them was two very inexperienced 17-year-olds still speaks to everything that's going wrong and on at PSG. And again, just highlights the fact that it's not just about what's happening on the pitch, it's what's happening off it as well. And, you know, straight away afterwards, we had all the usual stuff and Al-Khalifi's not very happy with with Gautier and he might replace him as soon as during this season, et cetera, et cetera. How many more times is that, you know, every year we see the same things. And, um, you know, as fantastic as Messi is, he's at the age where he can't do it every week. And mm. at least, you know, when he's not doing it, you want to see him put in a shift, but he hasn't run for about eight years now. 
Yeah. By the way, eight years is kind of a fitting number because he has only reached one Champions League semi-final, not even final, not even winning it in the last eight years. And obviously, yeah, two of them have been for PSG. Yeah. So yet again, what were they doing signing him? What are they doing not doing whatever they can to offload Neymar? I mean, Neymar's now saying he wants to end his career at PSG. As we said last week, that's probably more because no one else really wants him. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's all the same kind of endemic problems. And to just chuck it all on Gautier is just deferring, you know, all the same issues to this time next year. And, you know, the some of the rumours were that Alkali, he wants to get rid of Gautier to bring back Tuchel, which kind yeah. of says it all. If, you know, he has not got a clue. And as long as the Emir is letting him call the shots. There's trouble and, ahead. And, you know, everyone... People saying, I said it at one point, that PSG had a good summer in terms of getting rid of a lot of their squad, which is the first stage towards freeing up space and salary and everything to start to bring some people in. A lot of the people they got rid of in the summer were on loans. So Mm. I don't know how many of them are going to have to come back as well. So there's just so many issues and everything's just sort of kicking the can down the road, but nothing's really being resolved at all. And I still, for me, I still think, at least for the moment, Campos and Gautier are more likely than anyone else to be able to kind of really change the project if that's really what the, what the Qataris want. I'm not convinced about that. Mm-hmm. But I can't see Gautier long, lasting longer than the summer. Campos maybe, but he's obviously quite an abrasive character as well. And I think he and, he and Gautier sort of balance each other out. I'm not sure how well it will do without Gautier there to... to sort of hide behind when he needs to. Hmm. So, well, I was just going to say, whilst the, um, I'll, bring, I'll bring Phil in on this one, whilst there is um, pu- the public face of PSG, obviously, like Jez alluded to, in, in, in Al-Khalifi and, and those around him suggest that they are craving success and success to them is the Champions League and, and everything. I was, I was reading a couple of interesting pieces um, in the wake of this defeat and... Uh, they, they were highlighting th- this idea that PSG were, they were bought for 40 million. They're now worth four, five, 10 times that. Their social media presence is massive. They're increasing revenue year on year. They're a global brand now. And whilst I'm not sort of necessarily, you know, suggesting that, that the Qataris don't care, but is there maybe an issue behind the scenes of that publicly they're saying they want success on the pitch, whereas privately, they're sort of laughing all the way to the bank and their success has already been garnered because they have already increased their profit margins. They have already secured other clubs to the, the sort of the, yeah, the niche. it's not like they're short of money, though. No, but, so, but and they, they're if, in it for money, right? No, they're in it. Uh, one of the aspects would be the sports washing thing we've talked mm. about multiple times and if your... Um, global brand is a bit of a laughing stock, then that's not helping, is it? I mean, as um, both of you have said, this was a bit of a whimper, a bit of a limp out. And uh, listening to several other podcasts um, of a more, uh, shall we say, uh, UK-centric attitude, they were kind of disappointed that PSG just limped out, that it wasn't as funny as it's been before. I mean, that is not a good look. If people are saying, oh, yeah, they went out again, but it wasn't amusing this time. Again, that that is very bad PR. So Probably a good time also to remind everyone that Man City's project has been going on for longer and they still won as many Champions League. I, I had that I had that on my list ready to go, Joseph. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for putting it there. You're right. Well, you're I right. Did, did also just want to call back to something Jez mentioned, obviously, which was that when you looked at that starting lineup and there was um in the the day the day before it was Marquinhos clearly wasn't fit he torn his intercostal muscles. Now, there were things saying he'll play through the pain. I've torn my intercostals a couple of times, and trust me, that's kind of not something you can do. It's your rib cage; It affects your ability to breathe. I was just going to ask, whereabouts is that? Yeah. 
kind of important uh, for a professional footballer. I, I was on heavy medication just to, all I have to do is walk across a room. So God knows. And I presume they couldn't put him on what I was on. Um, so Marquinhos starts. He's not fit. They're saying, well, Mukiele is there if he can't start, but then they have to bring Mukiele on. And he wasn't fit. I think that was more a familiar footballing nick with his uh, ankle or something. So then you end up with Bichuabu. I think that was his debut. I mean, in Champions League, I think, yeah. Oh, right. I wasn't sure if he'd even played in the league before. So, yeah. yeah. yeah and I think a lot of people thought that Marquinhos got injured in the first half and had to go off. No, they knew mm. that he wasn't going to be anything like uh, 100% fit. But they, and then as Jess said, it's like, how can you have a club this big that can't field a kind of senior defence? It seemed. Mm. Very strange. So that was possibly that's going to be used, and it has been on uh, some of the coverage I've seen in France, uh, again, mitigating circumstances. But it just goes to show that if that isn't working, we talked about when the midfield doesn't work. So, like, you do have to have all bits of the team functioning simultaneously to do well. And yeah. that is again, as we've been banging on for a while, an ongoing problem. Yeah. And and the fact... And I'll just mention one particular person as well, just because mm. we've been sort of up and down on him over the years, but Verratti is a fantastic player and sometimes he is like the only thing keeping PSG from literally splitting into sort of two teams, <laughs> defence and attack. Um, and on his game, he's, he he is fantastic. He's the you know he's so good at sort of um, being resistant to the press and like helping the defense out by just you know being able to take the pressure of of receiving the ball un, under pressure and and do something with it. Um, so I think over the years we've often said the the problem with PSG is that he's either unfit or suspended when it gets to this stage. But I think those players who've been involved in all these failures year in, year out, even those ones that do put in a shift and and do sort of try to turn up more often than not, I think they're just tainted by, you know, traumatised by the remontadas and all the rest of it. And both goals came from him losing possession. Um, and... It wasn't like, again, it wasn't like Bayern needed to do much to win it back because he was just doing his classic thing, which he gets away with more often than not, that of falling over when someone breathes near him and, and winning the free kick. Um, mm. Quite rightly, he wasn't given either of them and, and Bayern sort of, um, you know, clinically put both chances away, sort of one from the edge of their own area, one from the edge of the PSG area. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, th I think that... That was almost almost sort of symbolic that it was it was Verratti and you just hope that it sort of symbolizes the the last knockings of of this project of those who've been seri serially failing for however many years now, um, and yeah, as likable as he can be, not always, but as he can be and as brilliant as he can be, I for me he's one of the PSG players that they should be got rid of. He's been that eleven years. That's the only argument. Which I, I mean, kind of hadn't fully realised. It's a long, old time, isn't it? Over the came... last couple of years, I think we've all lost track of time to a certain extent. And he, he came from Pescara, if I'm not mistaken, a very yep. small team in, I think, Serie B now. So, I mean, it wasn't like he came from another European team. And, and there's just, I feel like... A, if you look at that squad, I feel like we have this conversation every single year. So if we do, apologies, and we will we will move on shortly. But that if you look at that squad again, there's just too many bog average players or players that don't bring anything you know I, I don't want to pick on him but I look at that Renato Sanchez signing and I just think why what was the point of that other than you know maybe he was a bit of a flavor of the month in the league at the time but where that money could have gone you know to be fair he never plays that well that's that's exactly my point you know the guy no, can't, know, can't keep know. fit you know and it's like this is a guy who who struggled at Swansea and then you know revitalized his career in in, in Lille and and then was signed for big money. Like he didn't really and even I think even if you talk to Lille fans, like he was good 
in periods. He wasn't consistently good all the way through. Well, I don't think he was. I think even good in periods is a little bit flattering. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, players like that, and and then and yet they're trying to ship out people like Carlos Soler, who's been there six months. You know, and you think, well, give this guy a chance. Like, I'm not saying he's the you know next coming of Jesus, but he he's a pretty talented young player, and to just sort of try and march them out the door, like potentially the coach as well, it it seems baffling. One I other thing, also again, like I think we could probably sit here now and put together a Champions League winning team of psg rejects oh god yeah 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 we've we've done that one to death for sure yeah 100 percent. so and many. even i mean i know that he didn't come through psg but you know look at what a laughing stock chupo motting was yeah when he was and, at psg and now starts in you know a league of equal or better you know quality depending on which which side of the fence you look over so yeah 100 yeah, but like he's come back to haunt psg a couple of times as well yeah yeah um, and you look at how well Upa Meccano did on the night as well, you know, French international, obviously, against Mbappe. And he's the only other person I wanted to mention. Um, Phil, what, what do you make of his comments? Because he he's one of those players that he doesn't usually speak after games in mixed zones unless he's got a point to make. Um, and it seemed quite poignant that he said about his future. The sort of quote was... Um, for now it's important you know the most important thing is we is we win the league um and we'll discuss that after that's done um he's made hints that defenders should have been brought in in the win in the winter window and it looks like Milan Skriniar is going to be that one in the summer but is is it now operation keep Killian at all costs because without him I think I tweeted the same I don't really know what they've got without him because he's so fundamental to everything good that they have to build on I think we saw, um, particularly after the game, kind of on Twitter, I was having a bit of a chat with Mohammed Butt about, you know, uh, I think there was an article out that said Paris is one of the places that produces the me- the most good young players. Why don't <clears throat> why don't they do more with? that pool of resources they have available to them. And um, Alex Stewart was making very similar points, as I think with a lot of people, because it's such an obvious thing to do. But there is no way you can see PSG going, okay, let's rip it up and start again as a club that develops youth talent. They can't do it because they've bought into this mega star Galactico thing. Even if they don't have as many megastars or galacticos as possibly they need, um, but the idea of trying to change that uh, kind of vibe about the club, it's just not going to happen. We hoped that Gaultier would be able to get the balance a bit better, and I think, to be fair, he has in terms of the squad, and if you do have two 17-year-olds on the pitch in a Champions League game, it's not all about desperation, is it? It means they're being given minutes and they're good. Mm. But um, particularly if Galtier goes, are we going to just have the same thing again and again and again? And Probably. <laughs> yeah, I don't, all, I don't the whole issues. team will be over 30 and, and won't run a lick. I mean, it's mm, frustrating. Yeah. I don't have an issue with people like, you know, Saliba or Kolomuani, for example, sort of getting away. I mean, there's oh. it's a huge catchment area and other teams are scouting up there and there's only, you know, a certain number of players you can sort of bring into your youth system. My issue is the ones that do get into the PSG youth mm. system and then um sort of get away. I, it's not. I don't think it's fair to say that PSG don't sort of invest in or develop youth because they do in their way. It's just that they then thrive elsewhere because they don't get those first team chances. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think like you know this year, in a way, could be a blessing in disguise if it means that um, Zaya Emery and Bichiabu and um, you know get more chances and maybe we'll do even more between now and the end of the season and. Um, and if the club learns its lesson, and as I think I've said several times on here before, maybe just come out and say, look, we're going to have a year or two of transition. Don't expect us to be competitive in the Champions League, but we're doing it so that some of these homegrown players um, get the experience that their talent deserves. 
um, that they'll be fighting for the shirt and not only be thinking about their their sort of you know retirement fund or whatever. And in a couple of years, hopefully, we'll see the benefits of that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the fans, I mean, maybe not the new plastic ones, but a lot of the proper fans would appreciate that. And they mm-hmm. I think they'd rather see Parisian kids fighting, even if you know they're not quite as accomplished as some of the players that are brought in than you know some of these mercenaries who are just there for a final payday yeah yeah agreed um well um we'll we'll put a pin in psg for another week for now um should say they did go on to win at the weekend just against breast um and my god was it just um but for mbappe once again sorry for breast yeah 90th minute winner for mbappe and then it was chaos you see the goalkeepers up the corner then there was a foot race between him and mbappe as the yeah, was out and they were herring back towards the halfway line. Just got uh, the ball. How out often does that happen, though? That Mbappe has to save them, often with a ninety. Well, yeah, goal. and and yeah. arguably shouldn't have been on the pitch to do so. Um, if on, on another day with another referee, it, it wasn't. You know, it could easily have been sent off for that clash beforehand. So um, yeah, um, and to be fair, like it's a very very calm finish in that environment late on, albeit away at Brest in a league game, but. That did stretch their leads uh, at the top, which we'll, we'll touch on when we come to, to the other games um, at the weekend. But I do want to give a bit of love to to Nice, and I, I feel like I feel I feel like Phil, you would have watched this. Um, I just have um, a feeling you did, or at least kept across it because they beat Sheriff one 0 in the Europa UEFA Europa Conference last Thursday. Yeah, and and I have to say that pitch looked a bit like my parents' lawn, and they've got somebody coming around to look at it. Um, <laughs> It was, it was not the best playing surface in the world, and I think everyone was probably just pleased to get out of there with no broken ankles or anything. Uh, so yes, it was. Amari got the goal um, injury time in the first half. Sheriff looked okay, but Nice, I think, were holding quite a lot in reserve. Possibly tiredness, possibly game planning, possibly the pitch. Um, so it was, I think, pretty standard. So um, it will be interesting to see if they put in a kind of more fun performance in the. Was that the that that was the first leg, wasn't it? It confused yeah. me by being in the Champions League second leg week, but yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there isn't the second leg this week. I think is it this possibly. Week? I'm just going to double check. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Tiraspol. Let's not forget they were the, the side that gave Real Madrid a hell of a scare. So yeah, the second leg is indeed uh, in Nice this Thursday. So all being well with a one nil lead, they should march on, and they are of course France's only European representation in the men's game now. So um, good luck to I, them. I also thought it was amusing. I think um, while. Sheriff don't play in the home stadium because mm. it's a bit close to, you know, the wall. Yeah. Uh, so we're playing in Chisinau. Um, it's still an area where I think the official travel advice was don't go. Yeah. And of course, there was still an Issa Nissa um, <laughs> banner up and a, a couple of hundred uh, Nice fans kind of surreptitiously Um <laughs> making their presence felt at one end. You, you're not going to stop those guys, Trav. You'll always get them. I always love goals that are scored in European matches where there's like four fans and, and the player sort of races over and gives it a big, you know, a big, and I love that. Or even better still when there's no fans and they still celebrate in front of an empty stand. That's even better. Um, but yeah, I mean, another tip of the hat to Didier Digar whilst Will still is rightfully claiming the the uh, the praise in, in Liga for his Rav side and what he's done with them. I think Digar very much has turned Nice uh, a club that were heading in one direction under Lucien Favre, very much into a team that's upwardly mobile, and let's hope that continues. And, and looking at the teams left in that Europa Europa Conference, there isn't too much to be afraid of if you're a Nice fan. I mean, Lazio, I guess, is the obvious one, but they lost the first leg to RZ Alkmaar, so no guarantees there. West Ham is still in it. Um, but aside from that, you're looking at kind of Villarreal, who drew their first leg. Fiorentina won narrowly over Sivasspor. Um, maybe Basel, but there isn't anything that, you know, there's there's no sort of giants, I guess, what you would call um, in that competition. So maybe, just maybe, Nice could could prioritise that uh, moving forwards. 
Um, but we will bring it back to these shores. Um, maybe let's talk about some off the field, uh, just give that a brief bit of coverage. Um, Jazz, there was a firing last week. Not a big surprise um, that an Angers coach is fired for the form they're in, but it was very much kind of the off the field remarks that got uh, Abdel Bouz, uh, Bouazama, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, uh, got his coach fired. Um, what what did you kind of make of of him leaving? I mean, the, the comments that he... Essentially, he downplayed the uh, the sexual assault that one of his players was uh, was, was wrapped up in. Um, and we should mention, of course, we didn't we didn't touch on the Hakimi allegations, but that also is ongoing at PSG. So it seems to be an unfortunate trend at the moment. But the comments he made was it was it the comments of a man who is just very out of touch with you know with with the world and and its ongoing sort of situations off the field for his players or was it a remarks of a coach who knew he was going to get the boot regardless and just didn't care? I mean, it's an awful thing to say, but what did you make of that, how that all went down? I mean, from, from stuff that, that Thomas has said um, mm. when he's been on this podcast and, and elsewhere as well, I think it's just clear that the whole club is in a bit of a mess at the moment and there's just mm. bad bad people there, bad decisions being made. I don't think he was ever a sort of serious coach. I think you know, as as much as anything, sort of close to to the the president, and and basically that I'm not sure they could afford to sort of bring in someone who would, would genuinely sort of command a big salary and a big payoff if and when it went wrong, and they had to get rid of him as well. So um, from that point of view, I think probably he was out of his depth in the first place, and. I don't know enough about him to say whether his, you know, what what he kind of expressed were his views or not, mm. or whether it was just him trying to get a reaction or trying oh, to be like, sort of supportive of all his players or, or what. But um, just just to, uh, because this obviously will have not got as much press um, in outside France as say the Hakimi rape allegations. Mm. Um, so one of the players, Ilyas Chetty, has been charged with sexually assaulting somebody in a nightclub. Mm. And Pujama basically said, well, we've all done it. Mm. And you say, does that mean he's out of touch? I think it probably means he's in touch with what a lot of people think. Oh, it's not that serious. It's a girl in a nightclub. Mm. Um, what? So it was a you know, stupid thing to say. Um, what the club came out with afterwards was, I think, possibly even more reprehensible, that they said his quote had been taken out of context, yeah. struggling context to see what would have been in context in mm. that case, and that it was clumsy. Yeah. And this is just another example of football clubs um, not taking serious things seriously. Mm. And thinking they can just, um, you know, communicate their way out of it, and it stinks, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jess, come back in on that one because uh, what's your sort of? I I feel like this club sort of like you touched on Tom's comment uh, on the pod before. I feel like this club is rotten to the core, and they feel like the a sort of club. Um, he was talking about Diego Capel, who's still there, and and you know his reaction to the latest defeat at the weekend. And they feel like a club for me who could slide all the way down the divisions if things are not addressed very quickly Pierrick. on the pitch. Uh, sorry, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Sorry. Um, I felt really sorry for him at the weekend. I, mean, I did. Yeah. Nil nil. He hits the post, and then the first goal comes from a teammate sort of clearing the ball onto him. Yeah, and goes into the. To lose players' part. It's what happens when you're down the bottom, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you cannot buy luck. No, no, you I can't. Mean, they are just screwed. I and mean, it they've, was... got, they've got a decent enough stadium. It's a nice, attractive town, nice, attractive area of France. Mm. It, they they should be able to kind of stem the flow. But they're heading in a in a dangerous direction. You know, everything was going very well with the sporting director, and um, 
I'm sorry, I've completely forgotten his name and, and Moulin's coach. And, and you know, it sort of goes again back to Galtier Campos in a way. Sometimes, especially for, for smaller clubs aspiring and to, to kind of bigger things, that that's not all... It, I, don't want to belittle it by saying that's all it takes but you know if you sort of find that magic formula of two or three people working very well together on and off the pitch um it can it can you know really sort of propel you up the leagues and you know by the same token you lose that and um it can easily push you down it but yeah it just feels it's not even that they've lost that you know those very talented people doing their job to the best of their ability it feels like there's some real sort of bad eggs there yeah yeah, yeah. going down one division is is sort of you know for a club that didn't necessarily have a a great top flight pedigree anyway wouldn't be the end of the world but you feel like maybe yeah, I, I feel like there might be yeah. more gas in this mm. explosion as well. I mean, given how badly everything seems to be run, you can't imagine the finances are brilliant. So if they did go down, would that be a kind of a, a critical critical point? Mm. It's just just it's a sad story, isn't it? And, you know, that, that points tally, sorry, tally of, of 10 um, speaks for itself. I mean, we wrote them off weeks ago. I think this, this, sixty this goals conceded. Yeah, I mean that's just yeah. Um, and credit to lose, you know, it, it's it's picking the carcass a bit, but they probably needed another couple of three points. Their recent run, they got the two 0 win at the weekend. There was Dubber some big Belinda. flare action in that match as well. I think they had to add on about ten minutes at the end because for quite a lot of the second half you couldn't really see much yeah, uh, yeah. because of all of the smoke seems to happen in france more than most other venues across yeah. europe it does seem to be a thing at the moment um but yeah uh, sorry state of affairs off the pitch but on the pitch um we kind of wanted to uh, just kind of group the the remainder of the podcast into just kind of a bit of a celebration of, of league and this season really and fun 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 fun, fun. and fun. and there's three three fixtures but I'll just sort of reel off that encapsulate that. There was a 3-3 draw on Friday night, which was uh, very entertaining. All after halftime, by the way, six all six goals in the second half. A Jonathan David hat-trick for Lille, um, sandwiched by a Bradley Barcola goal to make it 2-1 at the time. And then Alex Lacazette, who'd come off the bench, conceded a penalty and then scored two quite brilliant goals to, to make it 3-3. Lille were 3-1 up with 10 minutes to go. And yeah. then... I, I haven't actually heard from Gibney about this match yet, but oh, he, he I was, imagine he was not there happy. was some very Glaswegian language going Yeah, he, he was not happy as he messaged me on Twitter and said your tweet didn't last very well because at 3-1 I thought the points were secure for Lille and tweeted as such. Um, and speaking of speaking of points being secured, there was two other games on Sunday, a 2-2 draw between Nantes and Nice. Uh, Moffi put Nice in front, Sissoko equalised and Damashami uh, got Nice back in front and then Mustafa Mohamed and made it 2-2 after Moffy probably should have made it 3-1 when he should have squared it and didn't. And that was the 88th minute, so that yeah, was exactly. like all, all fun at the end. And well, last and one because... the 2-2 the, the between Strasbourg and Marseille was absolutely bonkers uh, on Sunday night. I was chatting to Angus about this. He was on commentary. Um Marseille were were down to ten men. Uh, Bellardi, Bellardi was slightly. Apparently, somebody has gone on hunger strike. Today. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. That's quite amusing. Um, it, yeah. it was. It probably was a red card given the letter of the law, but Diallo went down quite easily. But nevertheless, Marseille shot into a two 0 lead, uh, and Bemba and then Alexis Sanchez from the spot, fairly soft penalty as well. In truth. But they were 2 0 up with with 15 to play. And then this complex they seem to have at the velodrome kicked in as uh, Jean Lohu got the Ohalu. Uh, we'll get there in the end. Um, he got one back with a sort of a almost a looping header in the 88th minute. And then literally seconds later, within a minute, rattled in one of the, the most pure strikes you're ever likely to see from very unlikely source. I think it's fair to say 25 yards. Uh, and it made that lovely sound as it hit the back of the net and, and Paolo Lopez sort of was stranded. Um, those three games as a whole, of course, like every league, we are going to get some duds. We get some nil-nils. We get some, you know, pretty rough defensive performances. And we maybe get some one-sided games throughout the season. But it, it's been a really good league yeah. campaign, I think, this season. And, uh, and I, 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 mean, I have to admit, after everything else that had happened that weekend, uh, when I was checking the scores, because I actually missed the Sunday night game, 
Mm. I assumed that 88 and 89 was just the Lequipe website having another you know, bit of a moment yeah. and um, duplicating results. And as well as all of that, there was a one-sided game, as you mentioned, which was um, Lance winning 4-0 at Clermont. But mm. that featured Patrick from Lois Bender in the 31st, 34th and 35th minutes, which is, yeah. I think is the fastest ever hat-trick in league art history. And uh, I think Paul Claude Maurice is not going to get any credit for his no. fourth goal, given that everybody's talking about Appenda's amazing hat-trick. So, yes, it was chaotic, uh, but very good fun if you aren't uh, weren't one of the teams who, <laughs> on the fans end of whose it. team capitulated at the last minute. Yeah. And even the the one nil nil of the round, um, which was um Oxera against yeah. Ren. Oxera mm. kind of you know how in movies when some guy has to clamber out of a pit and you're not sure if he's gonna make it but he just keeps clambering. They're mm. kind of doing that at the minute. They are just I'm doing enough in, in five. They were all over, Ren. I thought they were unlucky not to win. They, they were unlucky not to win it. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. I think it's and more so like same as Strasbourg, by the way. With... I mean, I know the way it happened, but yeah. Strasbourg. I, I was, I, I was legit. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. I was angry watching Strasbourg. <laughs> like, I was because I, I think I tweeted at the time. I was watching it live, and I, when Marseille went down to ten, I was like, "This is their chance." You know, if there was ever a chance for them to get a much needed win, this is it. And then they second half in particular. They just did nothing. Like they literally did nothing, and I was just so I was so angry watching. I was like, "This is your opportunity." And then the to first come back, half was all them. I don't think Marseille created much. But no, they didn't. Was... No, they, and and I think weirdly, the red card actually, in a weird way, it kind of killed Antonetti's plan. Mind. Yeah, it just changed the way Strasbourg were playing. And I think Marseille switched to a back four at that point, and yeah, they it was, it was very very strange how that how that ended up. Um, and as for the the hat trick from Appenda, yeah, I mean, I think he's probably along with Jonathan David probably going to be uh, the the next cab off the rank in terms of a, a fairly sizable transfer out of league at the end of the season. He got which... the assist for the fourth as well. Did he really? I, didn't that's, I think that. that's his first goal for a very long time. So he's... not necessarily, but yeah, I I I feel like with him though, I've, he's just got those attributes that that clubs look for. Um, you know, speed, power. He's a finisher. Um, he's got youth on his side. He's, he's been around a couple of years, played in Belgium and, and Holland now. I just feel like he's probably going to be one that somebody will take a chance on. Um, and, you know, Lons clearly proven before that they can replace players. But what do you make of this this period of time in, in the game at the moment, Jez? I mean, like I say, before Marseille capitulated and PSG got that last-minute goal, we, arguably we had a title race until two weeks ago. But that aside, that European chase is, you know, you could argue as, as low as ninth if you include all the Europa and whatnot spots as well. And then you've got this fascinating battle at the bottom where it could be probably any one of five clubs now, realistically. I think Nantes, uh, maybe one more win, but they should be fine. Montpellier have gone this unbeaten five-game record as well, but it has been a pretty entertaining season, has it not? And and with more to come in, in the closing weeks. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you usually sort of expect maybe one team to be adrift at the top and another at the bottom, and then not a huge amount between the other 18 teams. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that again this year. Mm. Um, I think, you know, as we've always seen, yeah, it's a pretty competitive league apart from those two spots. And we're always seeing a lot of really talented players come through. You know, even the teams right at the bottom, they're still producing some real talents. I think the, the main difference between with years gone by is that it's hard to think of any team that plays particularly defensively. I think where some of the older school coaches were more like, I'd rather get a draw than sort of go all out and risk, you know, I don't want to sort of push for a win and risk not getting any points. I'd rather sort of stick with the one point. Now, mm. it, there's very few teams that don't look like they're they're going out there to try to get the win. Mm. Um, you know, we've made a lot of fuss about Will Still, who, you know, again, really good result for, for Lass at the weekend. Um, and they're, they're still unbeaten. 
um, going back to October, Diga, we've spoken about with Nice, but it's not just them. I think, you know, to be fair, even the older school coaches, whether, you know, Blanc, Antonetti, they're all, they're all looking to attack. They've all got talented forwards. Um, you know, maybe Adrazio is the only exception, but can we um, throw Labrice into that argument as well? Because I mean, he was, you know, an unknown at Lorient, and I know that we've dropped off in recent weeks, but the season he's done, the job he's done there as well is. Yeah, it was expensive. interesting that there was a very good interview the weekend in Lecky with Chris, Christian Gulkouf. Mm. He had some very kind words about Labris and actually said that he would never have stood for um, selling two best players in the middle of the season. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there, there's some talents there. You know, we know that there's there's a sort of real tendency to to do the league down. And, and there is still that big issue in Europe that is just, you know, a perennial embarrassment year in year out and I don't just mean PSG I mean you know practically all the teams crashing and burning and there's just no obvious reason it's not you know I don't think it's that league out is poorer than you know the Dutch league or the Portuguese league for example so I, I don't understand why it just keeps happening year in year out but um, yeah there's some very good teams there who on their day can beat or, you know, certainly challenge any other team in Europe who, you know, a lot of players who we know are going to go on to very, very big things. It's interesting, actually, today, I think it seems like there's been announcements of four players, including the great Hussein Awa, who have opted to, to mm. sort of transfer from France to Algeria just today. Um, really? So yeah. it's and who, who are these? Awa, there's the... Uh, nice Ajam, midfielder Bouanani, I think it is. Yeah, oh, Nani, yeah. Nantes and mm-hmm. Shaibi at um, Toulouse. Yeah, okay. Um, so yeah, it shows maybe it's an unfair thing to say, but it, it shows that also the, the strength and depth in the sort of French, you know, coming through the, the different French youth teams and, and aspiring to, to the under 21s and, and ultimately the, the full first team. Yeah. Um, that you know that that's so competitive that maybe people are looking to to opt for their other nationalities. Mm. Um, so we've wondering... got a, a new uh, France squad being announced in a couple of days, and and you know there's already obviously you know we've got to replace Loris and Mondonda in goal. We've got to replace Varane who's retired. We've got to replace Pogba who's he's not going to be in this squad, and you have to wonder if it's sadly his days are numbered. Kante um, as well, maybe. That you know, Giroud hasn't mm. retired, which I actually like. I don't understand this international retirement. Make yourself available if the coach doesn't want to pick you, he doesn't want to pick you. Yeah, it's um, all right for Modric, isn't it? He's still going on, so yeah, I agree. If they um, can offer something, then yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, there'll be some interesting calls there. You know, I, I saw today someone say that, um, it would be a disgrace if Tadibo's not in the, in the squad. Mm. Um, so and you know there's any number of of young centre backs who who could come in. So there's still so much talent coming through. You know, I think it was was it Wahi again who scored for for Montpellier this this weekend. Yeah. Who is another one. The, we the like extremely effective. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's, it's a nice balance of sort of youth and a bit more experience. There's a nice balance of French players and and foreign players who are coming in who, apart from the obvious, aren't necessarily massive, massive stars. But again, at the start and end of their career, are doing special things. Obviously, Balogun scored another goal this weekend. David, as you said, is you know I'm surprised he didn't leave last summer. I'm sure he'll leave this summer. Yeah. Um, so Bar-Kola all these things well. that we know are sort of impressive continue to be impressive but I feel like certainly in terms of the quality not the quality of the football but the watchability of the football has improved even more mm. um yeah. so Plus, most things are going in the right direction it's just a shame that the real big sort of shop window if that's the right phrase is PSG stuffing up every year and yeah. other, other clubs <laughs> not doing any better in Europe and then yeah it's all yeah. that's missing isn't it yeah yeah uh, yeah, multiplex. I mm. really love the multiplex. I even because Montpellier were in the multiplex uh, this weekend, but I don't watch even their individual games. If there's a multiplex on, I watch the multiplex. It's four games, usually chaos. There's people shouting, there's goals everywhere, and that featured obviously quite a lot of non-beanies, um, given given what was going on in that game. But that's a really 
kind of cool thing to have as well. I understand the three o'clock blackout on Saturdays, etc. You don't have the same amount of traveling fans in France, and just having that as your Sunday afternoon kind of um, after lunch excitement is is a nice thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, I must admit, like I in the in the old days, I would pretty much guarantee that I would watch the the Premier League games on the Sunday. Um, yeah, because that's just what I did basically. I'm 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 sort of going further and further away in the past two seasons to yeah. Obviously, if there is a big Premier League game on at Sunday four pm, I do tend to watch it because of sort of my Arsenal links etc. But I'm finding I'm watching more and more of the midday games on a Sunday, which is a nice easy way to sort of ease yourself into a Sunday Sunday uh, lunch if you will, and then the two o'clock games and and the four o'clock games and and the evening game, you know albeit the only other choice in the UK is, is Serie A on a Sunday evening. But I, I really enjoy those Sunday night games, I must admit, even though it is often Marseille. Nice. But, um, yeah, there is reasons for that. And for all the faults uh, of BT Sport, and there are many, I could list them, um, but uh, the fact we, we are able to watch in the UK is great. Uh, I just wish we could get some maybe sort of, you know, more more involved commentaries, et cetera, that, you know, from the broadcasters that, that do the Ligue 1 show, for example, there's so many good commentators there. It would be great if we could get that feed rather than the BT Sport feed. But, you know, Jonathan's got to pay his bills somehow, I suppose. But um, no, I think it's been a really good season and and I've really enjoyed it. And we've got plenty of In terms to go. of competitivity at the top, it's a great how one. much higher could Monaco be if they had a goalkeeper oh. worthy of the name? And... and uh, <laughs> And somebody to to maybe sort of take the burden off that very young midfield. I feel like they they're just one short, maybe even a striker. I mean, Bernier has been doing brilliant this year, but uh, I don't know what's happened. So to is Embolo, but Clement won't play them together. <laughs> there you go. I do agree on Nobel though. His form's gone off a cliff, hasn't it? I don't know what's happened to him. Has he? Well, I mean, he started the season. He, he had a sort of a fairly decent patch of form and. And then all of a sudden, I, I just don't know. It's like he can't catch anymore. I don't really understand. And credit to, to Balogun's a good finish. But even that goal, I thought we could have done better with it. It's just, yeah, I, I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't think it was a good finish. I mean, basically just hit it on target. and Yeah, and, and into the ground as well. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. But uh, yeah, but there's a few few teams that could probably do up with upgrades. I'm not convinced by Lopez at Marseille either personally. But um, yeah. That's another story. And you would imagine... Michael has been eating a lot of pisaladia. He, he has, he has. Although he has, his form has definitely improved, I would say that. And poor old Slev Mandanda, I don't think he's going to go on forever. Um, although he may do, who knows. But uh, yeah. Um, and was it Chevalier? Is that the lad's name at Lille? He's probably the younger of the, of the batch. He has his ups and downs. But um, maybe that's a, a conversation for a rainy day. Speaking of France, though, Phil, we'll just finish off with it's been a bit of news in the women's game um i think yeah what you hoped for has happened well uh, i don't want to hope for someone to lose their job but, uh, put it <laughs> this way uh jez mentioned um around retiring and that needing to be replaced well wendy renard is probably not going to be taking that place because carmen diacra has been let go as um head coach of the the women's team I think this was, um, it had got to a point where that was the only possible thing that could be done. And obviously, no regret um, getting ousted or stepping down or whatever, standing back, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the Federation made that easier. So we're now, I think, hoping that Rena, um, Kototo, Diani come back. Um, because, you know, it's, what, four months <laughs> until the World Cup? Kind of need a coach and kind of need a team. So we did discuss, obviously, the, the situation with the French um, the French women's team a week or so ago. Um, but, yes, she's gone, and we're waiting to see what happens next, mm. really. All change, all change. And... Uh... We will obviously, if there's any announcements, we'll let you know uh, in the coming weeks when those will be. Um, and we will, of course, cover that France men's squad announcement in next week's show because I believe it's Thursday that's announced uh, two days' time 
from when we're recording. So we will be across those announcements as and when they happen. Um, just before we go, then, let's have a look at the weekend's fixtures. The weekend of the 17th of March. Uh, we've got Leon Nantes is the Friday night game, which uh, has some connotations at both ends of the table. Should be a decent watch, that one. Uh, to, if it's anything Just like last Friday's game. Cup as well. Say again, sorry? Isn't that a dress rehearsal for the cup? For the, for the Coupe de France game, yes. Which is, is it next week, I think? Coupe de France. Yes, let me just quickly check that while we're here. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Is it going to load? Yes, it is. Yes, indeed. Nantes totally on, on the other oh, 5th of April, so two weeks' time. Two weeks' time, and obviously against uh, Annecy, sorry, against Toulouse on Thursday, the 6th of April. So they come up in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, if that Friday night game is anything like last week, last week's Friday night game, we're in for a, a treat. So expect that to be nil-nil. Five, uh, anybody? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Saturday at 4pm, see Toulouse host Lille, which again on paper is, looks fairly watchable. And uh, Lens against Angers, maybe less so on Saturday night. Nothing against Lens. Good but... for awkward. Yeah, you, you kind of feel like that could be a case of how many. Uh, Sunday, the midday game is Ajaxio against Monaco. Suddenly, that's a pretty big game for both sides once again. Monaco really need to start winning again after their patchy form in Ajaxio, obviously fighting for their lives. The do with scoring the occasional goal. Would be nice. The lowest scorers. I joked about Angers earlier. They've scored 20? 21. Yeah. 20. 20. I said, over, said last week over a quarter of them have been penalties. Yeah, it's just not ideal, is it? It's a very small window of opportunity. It is really because normally, you know, the stereotype of a Jadzio is they give away the penalties mm. normally by shithousery and violence. They're just mixing it up a bit this year. They're just mixing it up. Um, the 2 p.m. games, the clutch of those together, we've got Montpellier against Clermont. Uh, we've got Nice against Lorient. Uh, Strasbourg against Osea. That's a big that one, isn't it? That could be interesting. Very big one, as could indeed Trois hosting Brest, because uh, obviously Brest lost at the weekend to PSG. And one of the games we didn't mention, Lorient did beat Trois by two goals to nil at the Moustoir. So that's a big game for those two as well. And then in the evening, PSG host Rennes. Uh, again, that's the 4.05 game, which looks fairly tasty. And uh, One of them. Say again, sorry? One of their bogey teams. One of their bogey teams. Yeah, was it... Um, is it at the PDP as well, isn't it? A couple of yeah. decent results for Ren in of recent years. So, yeah, Rich will be across that one, I'm sure. And uh, Marseille on TV for a Sunday night. Who'd have thought it? Not me. Uh, Rams are the hosts. And uh, again, that could be a very interesting game, given the uh, the form of, of Will Stills' men and uh, the charge at the table. There is a scenario where, where Rouse could end the weekend in sixth, which is absolutely bonkers. Um, obviously, Marseille will need to keep winning because they are under pressure from a resurgent Lens and uh, maybe less resurgent Monaco, but Ren, Lille all licking their lips at, uh, at Marseille if they were to drop any points, as they have done in recent weeks. So that will be next week's menu for us. Uh, that is all for this week, though. So uh, thank you for joining us. We are a day late this week due to schedules uh, in in the in our own lives as it were so thank you for sticking with us for an extra day um but jess thank you very much for your time this evening much appreciated thank you and phil thank you for you i'll, I'll allow you to uh, nip off and go look at that land you're gonna buy oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will be back next week uh say it could be the monday it could be the tuesday but keep an eye on uh, socials when we post the pod Thank you for listening as always and whichever game you're watching, enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon.